admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. Hello, hello. My name is Anders Holmes, and this is another episode of Bond Backwards, where we've been uh, talking about the Bond films while started at the end with Spectre and working our way towards the beginning, which is Dr. No. So we took a bit of a memento approach to this. Uh, I am joined by my brother, Adam, as always, over Skype in uh, United States of what the fuck is going on? Land America. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, all right, thank you. It's hot today. Um, yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just, uh, I think, yeah, it's it's still still here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing new. Um, yeah. Right. So, what are we doing? We're we're moving backwards, and we are in the we are now in the Roger Moore comfortably into the Roger Moore uh, epoch. Yeah, or or era, depending on your point of view, or I guess. Yeah, I think I don't know which one is longer, epoch or era. That's a good question. Um, I didn't even know but, e- um, epoch. I, I want to look this up. Yeah, what what is an epoch versus an era? Uh, <laughs> it's like what's a Wookiee? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, octopusy. It's just uh, uh, a period a period of time in history or a person's life, typically typically mar- one marked by notable events or particular characteristics. Well, all right, fair enough. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know what. There are some notable events, but they're not all good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Octopussy, yeah. Anders. Yeah, Octopussy was released in 1983. It was one of two Bond films that came out that year. It was competing at the box office with the uh, the Kevin McClory produced movie, Never Say Never Again, which was the film that was... Uh, I mean, there's an interesting... I think we'll get onto it when we talk about Thunderball, but there's a very interesting and sad kind of sort of behind-the-scenes yeah. kind of uh, sort of problems that were going on when when thunderball was being made and basically never say never again is a remake of thunderball and sean connery came back to play james bond in that movie so it's not an eon and slightly you know stabbed cubby broccoli in the back by doing so yeah yeah it's true and from what i remember it's not a great movie no and it's a shame because um it's a shame he did it because he conferred a certain amount of legitimacy onto it by doing the film um that connery that is um it's not good um it has you know the point of the it's it feels like such a vindictive thing to do to try to start an alternative bond 
universe. I mean, they did it with the Casino Royale moving it from the 60s. And, yeah. you know, it's not like it hasn't come up before, but it's just like... It just, it just felt, it feels, it's a very sad and and messy uh, situation that ended up, um, you know, I think, it, and I can't remember the exact story, but, um, you know, it goes back to Fleming and Broccoli and Saltzman in the 60s um, and this Kevin McClory character. And it was the rights, I think what was really on, on um, uh, at play were the rights to the Spectre plotline and the yeah. using, using Blofeld and all that stuff. Yeah, Which it was, is, it's a shame because, yeah. you know, Fleming had written Spectre, well, but Fleming had written Blofeld into the books. Uh, I think Spectre was an invention of the films, if I'm correct, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and, um, but, but for some reason, despite the films having sort of, you know, having gotten the rights from Fleming, there was some cleavage of, of different rights on different, being held by different people and lots of legal business yeah. so yeah so it's um so to compete with never say never again um they decided to release this thing called <laughs> octopussy yeah i mean i guess we'll get onto it with for your eyes only but it almost kind of felt like for your eyes only seemed like a swan song for for roger moore i guess because like between this and for your eyes only he ages a little bit and he's he's sort of teetering a little bit on maybe a bit too old to play Bond. And by View to a Kill, he's way too old to play Bond. Well, For Your Eyes Only would have been a great film to go out on because it's actually a good Bond movie. Yeah, it is. Um, and in that, if he'd if For Your Eyes Only had been the last Roger Moore film, then you could probably say with some confidence that the Roger Moore era would have been pretty good, like because you would yeah. have had two really good Bond movies in that and Spy Who Loved Me, two terrible ones. Well, one really terrible one, The Man with the Golden Gun, and two ones that are kind of like, okay, Moonraker and Live and Let Die, which we can get to. Yeah. But um, but this one is yeah. a but this one is a weird one, and I hadn't I hadn't seen it's this weird. movie. Like, can we just can, what just to start? Like, you're you, it's 1983. Yeah. You know, the uh, it's Reagan. It's 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 Gorbachev. I think it's uh, it's Thatcher. It's um, you know who fucking appeared in the last Bond movie. Jesus Christ. Uh, who um, it's it's you know it's the it's the it's new wave punk has happened. Um, you know the Falklands. Blah blah blah. And you release a film called Octopussy. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but. You know, and you're competing with Never Say Never Again, which you you know what? Like, say what you like. That's a cool Bond title. Yeah. Like that that is a you know, it doesn't mean anything. It they doesn't have to mean anything. It just sounds cool. It's catchy. You're competing with Never Say Never Again. You know, the everything is at stake. And you put out Roger Moore in eye makeup and in a film called Octopussy. Octopussy. Like that is so like where how did that get onto a poster? Like when they first saw that, like what did they think? Yeah. And then they're like, you know what we'll, we'll do? We'll make a character called Octopussy. Then we'll give someone a tattoo and she'll call that her Octopussy. And we'll all be like, tee hee. And it's like, every time you say it, it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> the only thing that could be worse is if Connery had come back and done this film and then went around saying Octopussy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or, they, or if they'd done some kind of mashup where it's like, oh, and have you met my friend Octopussy Galore? Um, yeah, that that would have taken me out of the movie entirely. I would have been like, I'm the whole out. thing takes you out of the movie. Um, the the whole the, the whole film is an exercise in it, the film feels like it was directed by Andrew V. McLaglen. You know, it yeah, feels it like just... one of those like fun late period John Wayne movies where it's just like everyone's just having a good time, and I'm sure they're having a great time. It looks yeah. like a lot of fun. I think the problem with this movie, I, it 
it doesn't i mean one of the problems <laughs> one of the many many problems. <laughs> one of the many problems the thing is it just doesn't feel like it didn't it doesn't really feel like a james bond movie even like the opening song for an all-time high it sounds like a Oh no, I don't know about that because this is the era the song... of the sort of um, who's that again? The, is it Sheena Easton? No, no that's did... for your eyes only. Oh, this is, who did who did this one? Rita Coolidge. Rita Coolidge. It sounds not... like it kind of sounds like the song for like a Brady Bunch spin-off TV series. Nah, yeah, I mean, it's not too because it doesn't it doesn't yeah it's not a good Bond team. I don't I'm not going to defend it, but it is the era of the like you know we've had Carly Simon doing the Spy Who Loved Me, which by the way is one of the great bond themes yeah um, it is. and um and we've had um sheena easton it's pretty good as well sheena easton the last one which phew, i don't not i do not like that i do not like that she is in the movie um i <laughs> um see also madonna and die another day um i yeah this one i have it feels like this is one of the things i have slightly less of a problem with yeah but well, even so, I mean, but just, um, but just, to, I think I feel like the um, the Maurice Binder uh, credit sequence is pretty cool. Yeah, I think. I mean, all of the Maurice Binder sequences have been pretty cool. Well, some of them are better than others. I think the Man with the Golden Gun one is the one that's the most boring. What well, I can't remember that. Mm, yeah, I mean, there are some issues, obviously, as well with uh, gender stuff. But you know, I mean, yeah. it. Um, the, yeah, so where to begin? Begin at the beginning. I mean, the well, film I'm... starts with a guy in a clown suit crashing through a plate glass window with a Fabergé egg, and I think that's like, okay, okay, guy, what the f- what's happened here? What this is this is the yeah. this is supposed to be a Bond movie. Yeah, and then there's this whole, and then there's like, it's it's got a lot going on, and it also makes the film feel very sort of confusing a little bit because it has something to do with General Orlov, who I think is kind of the sort of precursor to General Orimov from Goldeneye, played by Stephen Burkov, who is. Generally, just quite... change his name a little bit. No, Stephen Burkhoff. The way he chews the scenery in this is just like yeah. this is around the same time that he was playing Hitler in um, War and Remembrance, the miniseries of Robert Mitchum. He played um, Hitler. Yeah, which, but yeah, you should see that. It's War and Remembrance. Uh, wins, the Winds of War and War and Remembrance were like two of the big, like prestige, big budget TV series that were made in the early eighties yeah. to like. It was like a sort of rebirth of that kind of like prestige television in America. Mitchum was was cast as as this like um, you know aging hero of these uh, stories. all about family in the war. Yeah, and um, and it's it, it's a lot of great fun. Like there's loads of fun people in it. Like Brian Blessed turns up. Ian McShane is in it. Um, you know, Jan Michael Vincent is in the first season, not the second. Um, you know, all this. Uh, but in the second series, um, yeah, uh, Hitler is played by. Uh, Stephen Burkhoff, which is hilarious, and um, yeah, this is and he is he is incapable of not like overacting. He is the British Rod Steiger. Um, he just he's he's just sitting there, be like, I I'm shouting, and it's just like, it's, I am going um, to take over the world. Yeah, and he goes bright red, and um, his and bald he head about, just gets shiny and shiny. Yeah, he gets very shiny, and um, I mean, I really like. The, the thing is, I think if you really... The, the tragedy with Octopussy is that the plot is just... I can't... I'm trying to sit here and trying to make the plot make sense. I must have seen the film about six or seven times, and I still can't fully make sense of the plot. Um, and how... It's so tangled, but not in yeah. a good way. It's not tangled in a John le Carre, you know, Raymond Chandler way. It's tangled yeah. in a way where people just made a salad and forgot to 
toss it. So all the mushrooms are at the bottom. All the the, the leaves are, you know, some of them are mouldy, and and you you put two different types of dressing on it. You know, it's just it's like a real mess of a movie. Like for example, let's just talk about the clown. Can we talk about the clown for a second? Yeah. The clown crashes through the window at the beginning with a Fabergé egg, right? Yes. Fine. Fab- something about fake Fabergé eggs as well. So, that's, so we got we got fake Fabergé eggs. We got a clown, and then, um, but why does Roger Moore have to wear the clown suit later in the film? Well, it's his way of. The only answer to that is because th- th- there's two answers to that. One, someone thought it would be funny. Two, because it was some weird kind of foreshadowing to try and raise tension. But why would it mean, like, is this some kind of magic clown costume that if you get into it, you get chased by Mishka and Grishka? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why is it the same clown costume? That like, does exactly not the make same sense. Makeup. How did he have time to put on that makeup? Like, it doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, because it's very... It makes more sense for him to get in a gorilla suit. It's... Or just to wander in there and be like, I'm James Bond, motherfuckers. It could have been, re- it could have been really funny if they took... If he went into the... Cl- if, if somebody else was in the gorilla costume, like Clarence Beaks from Trading Places, and just dragged him out, and then he got into the suit. Yeah, right. I mean, or, or, yeah, or, or whatever. It's, it's just... It, but it just is like an example of where the sounds like... So what's the idea there? The idea is that... Um, you get this like double clown payoff. Um, like what? Why in a Bond reel? Why? Why? What's it? <laughs> and the, um, you know, the, there are there are things in here that are good. Like I think having Fabergé eggs as a device is great. Um, I can't remember what the deal with them is now. I think there's it's like something some... to do with like there's information in some of the eggs, and it's like they're selling them off to. I have, I can't really remember. It's so it's... fucking confusing, isn't it? Like, there's yeah, so much... it's something to do. Like, there's something with the circus. So she is a smuggler. Yeah, so she's smuggling something, and it's supposed to be Fabergé eggs or something. And then it turns out that she's smuggling a bomb, which is going to blow up in the base, and that means that General Oromov, Orlov, 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 fucking hell, is going to invade the West, even though he's not actually in charge of the Russian. It's yeah it's it's so it's so silly it's so like hard to follow and so basically the film becomes a series of um you know a series of sort of episodic vaguely connected adventures um nothing really um, nothing really hangs together it doesn't really it doesn't really feel in in any ways exciting and a lot of it right and and some of the times I feel Roger Moore does get pushed a little bit to the sidelines, and then we say like, "Oh, there's an army of women. Let's focus a little bit more on them." Yeah, the army of women thing, um, like, yeah, that's that's kind of cool as an idea. Um, the fact that they're all circus performers, I mean, that and that's very eighties. It feels yeah. like very kind of eighties network television. Um, you know, the the also Kamal Khan, like he's he is such a like like never seen an easier bond villain like he's just so unthreatening he's he's he could he's such a like pushover and also he just like the whole thing with him in the like you know when you see him like in the backgammon game that almost just feels like a ripoff i know they're trying to homage that whole thing with goldfinger when he's playing cards in the miami hotel but and then his you know bodyguard played by um uh gabir badi uh, gobinder is basically a ob job you know, rip off, and then again, every other actor who's a bit like Objob in the in the Bond movies is basically a rip off of Objob. So they're like ripping yeah, off each he's other. Big, he's not white, and he can crush things with his bare hands. Yeah, which Objob does in Goldfinger when he gives him back the golf balls and he crushes them in front of James Bond. Yeah, no, I, so so Kamal Khan is is a bit. I mean, he's he's always got like a quip 
but he's very um he's very uninspiring ultimately he doesn't feel very threatening and then he just crashes his plane into the ground at the end of the film yeah uh, Govinda's good i do think Govinda is a, is a good um henchman and i think the 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 choice of india as a location is really fun um yeah. there are some hilariously problematic and racist moments of course that's inevitable with a film of this era and but we shouldn't excuse them um i think the bit where he starts throwing money around in the streets is like a little bit disgusting um yeah and and some of the little like the sort of idea that this the india is just like this endless carnival of like street performers and um you know, it feels a little bit sort of Orientalist, a little bit Aladdin. So I definitely yeah. give the film a slap on the wrist for that. Um, well, I mean, but the location I... itself works brilliantly. And you get the great thing in a Bond movie where you, you get to put him into contact with all this, um, you know, with the wildlife, you know, crocodiles, people get eaten by crocodiles, people getting, um, you know, there are snakes and spiders and stuff. But then, but then, and you see, they, this is the problem with the Roger Moore era. Then they can't resist. And what happens then? There's a tiger. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> that no, 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 no. Yeah, it might be like a right cut. Like that doesn't. No, <laughs> just what? And then he and swings he... on a vine, and they play the Tarzan. And he stuff. is, and he's being chased by people on elephants as well. Like, yeah, right. The whole the it's it's just it, it just starts to go mental um and it's like because and this is the thing right you strip away you strip away all the fluff and you've got a decent bond film i think in here so for example the pre-credit sequence acts pretty fun he yeah. blows up a big cuban base using that plane that he flies through the hangar i mean that's just like that is fun stupid roger moore era action stuff yeah i think that bit that bit works really well and it's you know the bit where he just goes to the gas station says fill her up please and then it goes into the credit sequence and it's it's nice it's a nice little beginning it, it works it works well for yeah. what it is and then you've got nefarious rogue russian general and yeah. this smuggling operation with this guy kamal khan who's going to get rich from it and he doesn't have any scruples about starting world war three in the process yes fine so then you, but then you mess it up with all this other business and Mishka and Grishka and Octopussy herself and all this other, like, and and this and, and and then the problem with it is that at some point they try and be all profound, you know, where she talks about her life and background and and everything else and um, you know, tries to make a point about being you know judged as a woman or whatever, and it just doesn't land because the film is just so daft, and yeah. um, and the bits that are meant to be kind of scary are aren't scary, and the bits that are supposed to be exciting are less exciting uh, than they should be. And, um, and, you know, there's a, they do, they throw everything at the wall. You know, they have the countdown clock, they have car chases, train chases, um, that, you know, they put a car on the rails. Um, they do, um, they, they've done everything they possibly can think of. They give Bond two, you know, beautiful women to shag. Um, uh, they do, um, you know, henchmen are, are plenty, you know, he has his little friend who gets killed. Um, who's played by the tennis star? What's his name? Uh, um, uh, VJ uh, Armitre. Yeah, and he uh, which, and he uses a tennis racket at one point. Of course, of course he does, uh, and of course he, he's a, he's a snake charmer because all Indians know how to snake charm, and he plays the James Bond theme, which is pretty uh, weird. I think jumping the shark a, a little bit, but that's not for the first time in the Roger Moore era. They do that a lot. When did they do that again? I can't remember exactly. Well, think about. Do you remember in Live and Let Die with the tarot cards? Oh yeah, and also there's a woman who they have 007 written on the back. Why would the bad guy have tarot cards with 007 on the back? <laughs> yeah, and there's also when they go to the bar in New Orleans that she starts singing the theme song. 
Yeah. Well, that's fine because you could just say, oh, well, you know, that that's okay. I, I can take that, but if when they actually play the <laughs> Bond theme, um, but then there's other, you know, we we can talk about this with Moonraker too because there's a couple of bits in Moonraker where you're just like, oh, God. Um, yeah, you start doing a double take like they do with the pigeon. But anyway, so Octopussy basically ends up being a fucking mess. Um, but where, if you were... Uh, assuming COVID-19 wasn't happening and you were going to go on holiday somewhere, where would you like to go that takes place in this film? Uh, probably India, because I've never been to India. Yeah. yeah, the Floating Palace. I can't remember where it is. Is it, is it in Jaipur? I can't remember. Is it in Jaipur or somewhere? But um, I'm going to get this. I can't remember where that Floating Palace is, but it's it's a hotel. Um, oh, is I want to go stay there. Let's go together. Sounds good. Yeah, it'd be fun. Did you when you were in India the last time? Did you ever come across any like snake charmers or anything like that, or did you see any? Or... I did. I did come across some snake charmers, and I forgot to ask them what they were charging me from for the show. So they did the snake charming show. The guy put a cobra on his head, which I thought was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then, um, and then he was like, uh, he put the uh, the snakes back in the basket really quickly, and the snakes were like, ah! and then put them back in the basket, and then got up and was like, I want eight million rupees or something, and I was like, I have this many, and he was like, that's not enough, and I was like, well. I don't have any more on me, and I don't know where there's a cash point, so this is a bit awkward. So I said, tell you what, I'll, I'll run up there, and I'll try and find someone, I'll, I'll pay you back later. And I just, like, ran away and hid in my hotel. And then um, uh, I was like, shit, have I got rogue snake charmers on my tail now? Who are going to, like, put a cobra in my bed or, like, fucking string me up or whatever? So I was, um, and, and I was, I was my friend Bob, who couldn't walk at the time. Um, that's, that's a different story. And then... Did um, you get, like, electrocuted or something? Oh yeah, he also got electrocuted in the shower. Yeah, but anyway, he was he had he had some uh, muscle problems or whatever. So I was out on my own, and I went up to this temple, and I was I was coming down the um, hill. I saw the same fucking snake charmers, and they saw me, and I was like, Ah, Jesus! <laughs> at least at this point, I'd come up, I'd gotten some more cash, and uh, so I sort of bravely walked up to them. I was like, Listen, this is all I've got, and and gave it to them, and they finally sort of left it at that, and then they um, they gave me this like rock as a trinket, and I thought. Um, I was like, I don't know what this means. So uh, and maybe if I have this rock, it means that there's going to be like eight deadly curses will happen to me. Um, the minibus that I'm in will to- topple up a cliff um, or something. So I just left the rock in the hotel room. I was too scared of it. I thought it was like, I thought it was some kind of bad spirit thing that was going on, which yeah. just, you know, bad uh, just goes to show that the way that the West thinks about uh, the rest of the world is totally fucked up because they were just being nice. Um, so yeah, um, what are other fun bits that we always do? Yeah, I mean, I guess like I would say, I mean, your favorite. I mean, would our favorite, both our favorite. What would your favorite scene be with like the beginning sequence, or is there another favorite sequence? Like, what's that? Oh, I think my favorite sequence is actually the one where the Russians are having their planning meeting, and all of us like, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna blow it up, and it's going to be amazing. And it's like, and then. Um, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Gogol. Oh, for fuck's sake. General Walter Gogol. Gotel. Yeah, General mm-hmm. Gogol. Gogol is like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's mental. And that feels like a metaphor for the entire film. So I I like yeah. that bit. Um, and you going with the opening pre-credits? Yeah, the opening pre-credits. And I, I, I kind of like the assault on Kamal's palace at the end of the movie and the bit where he's going down the stair banister shooting at people. I think that's kind that's of funny. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> that that is my stupidest bit of the film. The Union Jack balloon with Q in it 
with these two old, like cumulatively, Q and Roger Moore at that point, Jesmond Well and Roger Moore are probably about 150 years old. <laughs> these these two old English men in a Union Jack balloon in India. Look, think about what that sim- oh, sacred God. symbol oh, God, means yeah. in that part of the world. And then, yeah, the banister where he shoots the thing, he's like waving the AK-47 around, like you're never going to hit anything. And then he shoots the the thing instead of just like toppling off the banister or like putting his feet out or something. It's so, so silly. Um, What's your stupidest bit of the film? Uh, I don't know. I think the the bit where he just dresses up as a clown and tries to like, I don't know, just... (laughs) I'll leave you that one. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's just the setting of the circus and him as a clown and telling there's a bomb in here. I think they could have made that sequence just a little bit more exciting if it wasn't just set at a circus. I think just the 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 area just didn't feel like. I think you could even have made it exciting if it was set at a circus. But the problem is, you need to. You can't dress your main character as a clown and expect people to take (laughs) it seriously. I think if they took a more sort of hitchcock approach to it i think it would have been a lot better that whole sequence right exactly that's exactly yeah. right the 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 hitchcock like you know hitchcock would have known how to do that like man man who knew too much like the whole royal albert hall bit before the gun yeah, goes off or, or the like lady that. vanishes with the the carnival at the end yeah exactly i think there was okay. I, I mean there's a lot of ways they could have done that better but uh i mean yeah i mean who would you have recast in the film um Oh Jesus! I don't know. Um, there are some bad performances in this. Um, I would replace Louis Jordan, rest in peace, uh, as I would replace him with Malcolm McDowell because I think Malcolm McDowell is someone who could fit quite well in a James Bond movie, and I think he could play that. I mean, if they changed maybe certain aspects, you of need his... to do some rewrites of the script to make Kamal actually more threatening. But yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, no, I, and I'll maybe explain the fact why he's played by Malcolm McDowell and like Afghan british i have no idea but i feel like mark mcdowell is that he has that kind of sinister charming aspect of him that could work as a villain maybe i don't know is not maybe not as a, if they were going to do like a like a movie with him nowadays maybe they could do him as like a, a, a villain from the sides or a supporting villain i have no idea but yeah, I yeah. think that's that's generally who i would replace what do you think of maud adams because i generally prefer her in 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 man with the golden gun than i do in this film i think her performance in man well with... it's conf- it's confusing because she was in man with the golden gun everyone remembers her from man with the golden gun we yeah. don't see her face for ages and then it feels significant that it's maud adams and then it's like it's like hang on is she supposed to be the same character so i in order to fix that confusion i would recast octopussy and i would put in instead um uh, vanessa redgrave yeah, because they keep going. They talk like they. She okay, says, I, oh, "Can you just pause my cut? How awesome would it be if Vanessa Redgrave was Octopussy? You just breezed right <laughs> past that. She'd be brilliant casting." Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I did also see. I think I was looking through the Wikipedia page. They almost did get Faye Dunaway, but I, they deemed her too expensive. Oh, now that would have been because it would be post Mommy Dearest. I think Faye Dunaway, or at least it's that era where Faye Dunaway started to go a bit mental. So that could have been cool too. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just because in the, the recasting of Maud Adams is a mistake. Like it's not, it's too, it's too. Again, it's like the, these, these, this era of Bond films are all like yeah. tangled up in their own tail. You know, they just can't escape from their own. Like it just feels like this huge club, and but, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, but one one of the things I was, I mean, I was getting onto because like Maud Adams is like Octopus. He goes on 
uh, she sort of explains, you don't know who I am, do you? And like, you don't remember me or something like that. And then she sort of explains a character who we've never seen in any of the Roger Moore films at all. It probably would have made sense if she made it seem like she was a twin sister of like Andrea Anders or something like that from Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, or something else. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. Like, it doesn't land at all. That's the I mean. What I was saying earlier, when they try and make the film profound, it doesn't work. Also, uh, also, I will say with this film, as much as I do like Robert Brown as M, I it, it I think the presence of Bernard Lee is is dearly missed. Yeah, Robert Brown is fine in his outings as M. This is his first one. And, well, um, not his first Bond film, actually. He stars in Spy Who Loved Me. I generally think his character in Spy Who Loved Me turns out to be the new M. Yeah, I think that's accepted. Yeah. I think that's that's the that's the general theory. You know, like Mallory um, and Skyfall, and then he's M Inspector. Right. Um, what other things are we do we talk about on this thing? Uh, we done, we've done locations, we've done... Done. recasting casting. Bit. so do you want to give it a rating yeah uh i'm gonna go with two and a half martinis out of five i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it two yeah i think that's sort of yeah i mean it's yeah. not a good film not, not, <laughs> Sorry, not guys. I, I think if like if i think if you were having like a james bond marathon and if you kind of skipped it and then it probably wouldn't you know wouldn't mind it's a skipper yeah yeah but you want to know who like screen tested because there was a there was a point where roger moore wasn't sure if he was going to come back do you want to know who they screen screen tested it was too early for Sam Neill. Um, who was it? James Brolin. Yeah. An American Bond. Yeah. Never yeah, been I, done mean, yet. They, I mean, they did ask Adam West at one point, but he said, like, I'm flattered, but James Bond should be played by a British actor. Also, Adam West or James Bond. <laughs> I'd, I'd like a shaken, not stirred martini, please, old chum. <laughs> Quick um, to the Aston Martin. <laughs> my favorite story about Adam a... West is um, when he was on The Simpsons and he gets tied up. His character, Batman, gets tied up, and um, they were directing him in the vocal booth. And they said, "Make sounds like you're struggling in vain." And he just went struggling in vain. <laughs> they kept it in the show, and it's so funny. Yeah. Um, he is. He's. I think he was a real one of a kind. Um, all yeah. right, well, let's get out of here and uh, return. James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only, which is a much better film. <laughs> it's a much better film. And I think it was the first film that John Glenn directed. So he started good and then ended good because his last film he did was Licensed to Kill. He just had a few little bumps along the way. Right, okay. Well, on that fascinating uh, note, let's get out of here. Yes, well, uh, do check back with us next time on another episode of Bond Backwards. We will be talking about For Your Eyes Only. Do check out the other episodes that we've done on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I sounded like a snake when I said that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, Podomatic, and TuneIn. So that has been that. My name is Anders Holmes, and I've been joined by Adam. Have a good day. Stinging in the rain. That's not funny, 007. Where's your butler friend? Oh, he blew a fuse. Shocking. Where's Drax? Oh, he had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed Mr. Bond. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bond. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's a Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Mm -hmm.